Well, everybody, I'm Eric Farrell, and I'm here to welcome you to this episode of I'm Glad I Heard That. With me today, uh, we have Tim Morton, uh, who is with us. And what we're going to do is spend some time today talking about what it is success has looked like for him over the years in his family, in his spiritual life, in his professional career, and a variety of things. And what I can tell you is um, I've only known Tim a few years now. This is a recent friendship for me. Um, and I have learned a lot about different things, about what it means to be a man, um, but not just a man, Tim, but a man of God, um, which doesn't mean perfection, and it doesn't mean uh, we've got it all figured out by no means, but at the same time, um, the things that I've admired about you is that you've been very real and upfront about your experiences. Um, I've admired in being at your daughter Caitlin's wedding. Uh, I got to see firsthand as he delivered the message for their wedding um, how much you love your family. Mm. And that's that's a very admirable thing for those of us husbands and, and or fathers out there. Um, I think we could all learn from you. And so I'm hoping that through this time today um, in our discussion about success that we would all get a little bit of a glimpse into um, what that could look like for us as well as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. So I thank you in advance for taking the time out with us today mm -hmm. to do this because um, hearing your story, which that's what this is about, um, is hearing your story and your journey um, through success and again, your relationship with Jesus and your family and your work and all these different aspects, mm -hmm. um, your story is going to touch someone else's heart and their story. And, uh, and I personally believe that Jesus will use that to change someone else's story out there like it has mine. And so I thank you again in advance. Um, if you would, um, I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm super honored to be here. And uh, this is a relationship with faith in general and some of the leaders of faith and creating opportunities for me to, to you know, step out in my faith and share my story. and share what God's been teaching me has just been an amazing experience. So, honored to be here with you today. Um, I've been married 31 years to an awesome woman, Vicki. Uh, 31 years. We were high school sweethearts. Um, hasn't always been uh, everything on the upswing, as you know, most marriages that last that long, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, she's been my rock. Okay. And uh, I probably would not, I, I know definitely I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her. Uh, being right there uh, beside me, uh, cheering me on, uh, supporting me in everything I'm doing. Um, so I have her. I have two wonderful daughters. You got a chance to see Caitlin being married. She's 26, married to Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, they currently live in Hazel Park. Yeah. And I've got another wonderful daughter in Arizona, Lindsay, who's 24 and married to Jamar. Mm -hmm. In a week or so, we're going to get a chance to, to head out there and, and oh, you spend are. some time with them. So. It's a dry heat out there. Yeah, I'm told. Yes, it's it's it hasn't been as warm as it usually has been uh, out there. So, but we're hoping for 70s at least. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That will feel like a the desert heat for, to us. Yeah, heat but, wave. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also have a brother, um, but I, I want to mention that I'm I'm super excited to have um, two son-in-laws. Yeah, that have created some great opportunities for me to just kind of be there, be a part of their lives. They've been open to that. And uh, you know, having daughters growing up and, and being a man, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting experience to say the least. But 
now that I have, you know, two young men in my life, it's kind of cool to have that. Yeah. So really appreciative for them. And I have a brother in Las Vegas, uh, John Morton. Uh, he's married uh, to Shannon. He's got two daughters, Tierney and uh, Sage. And he's a coach in the NFL. So that's it, right. It's wonderful to bounce things off my brother, uh, you know, experiences I've had and things that I'm going through in terms of coaching and talking to coaches. And uh, so it's created some great dialogue between us. And he's a great supporter of what I'm trying to do. So you guys share a, a good number of things in common and some of uh, the thing, not everything I can tell by your face, but <laughs> you, you do share some. Uh, you know, you enjoy sports and oh, different yeah. things like that. And well, we're both, and... uh, I'd like to say we're out of the same mold. Oh, okay. Uh, very, very much so. Very oh, much so. okay, okay. Uh, he started his NFL career when I started my head coaching career in high school. Okay. So we, we've kind of paralleled. Uh, now, he's at a different level than I'm at, but sure. um, we're both kind of out of the same mold in terms of uh, just kind of how we approach uh, coaching how we did approach coaching uh, okay. and uh, he's where he's at today and would be considered a success uh, yeah. right because of those those uh, aspects about who he is okay now with that um, you're kind of talking about what he does um, I'd like for you to share with everybody what it is that you do today so mm -hmm. what your profession is today right yeah. and then also kind of what has led you to this place yeah. because it's been quite a long journey and and I know we're not going to get into the full, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the full story of every job you've had. That's not the intention, right? But to, to spend some time hearing about some of your more recent things and how they've influenced each other and the, why you've made changes maybe that you did in your career. So yeah. if you would just kind of walk us through your most recent right. changes in career. Well, I'm currently the area director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for Oakland County. Although I, my territory kind of extends into Macomb County because there's no director there. So mm -hmm. um, that means that my main objective is to build ministry uh, within those two territories. So I am a full-time missionary. Yeah. And our mission is to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. Okay. And if you told me 10 years ago that I would be here, I would say, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Um, about in 2007 is really when I felt like my career path uh, changed somewhat. Uh, even though I was, at that time I was a teacher at Avondale High School. Um, I was also a coach, varsity boys basketball coach. Uh, at that time it had been 10 years. Um, at, I was, Avondale at Avondale specifically. At Avondale specifically. <laughs> Uh, I had several coaches jobs prior to that, but that's when I actually really was where I wanted to be in terms of being a teacher and being a coach in the same building. Okay. That was my dream, okay. to be at that position. Which did you do first? Did you cover that? Which one you did first, teaching or coaching? I, I, be, I was coach first. That's right, okay. And coach led to a teaching opportunity. Okay. I went back and got my teaching degree uh, kind of late. Uh, so at 33, I got. I was a teacher and coach at Avondale High School, my alma mater, hmm. um, and I, to me that was just everything. I thought that's that's all yeah. I'm going to do. I'm going to you know do this till I retire. Right. Uh, after about ten years and having some success, um, I noticed that there was some strain in my relationship at home, my relationship with my family. Um, I felt some discontent. Uh, 
in terms of where I felt I was going or what how things were going because I was driven toward achievement. I had won a state title four years prior. We were in Class B at the time. We moved to from Class B to Class A, which uh -huh. meant the competition was going to be tougher. Uh, changes a little bit, right? <laughs> um, so it wasn't as easy to to achieve success um, from a wins and loss standpoint. Um, just felt like God was telling me that you need to take a break. So I stopped coaching and I resigned. And How hard I, was that to make that call? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was difficult from the standpoint as a, it was scary because I had never not been a coach. So I was heading out into uncharted waters from the standpoint. I didn't know if I could function without that being a part of my life. Okay. Even though being a teacher is very similar to being a coach. So what I had to kind of fall back on was my role as a teacher because I, I firmly believe that teaching is coaching and coaching is teaching. And I approached my, um, you know, the, my method of teaching, my philosophy of how I taught was very similar to how I coached. So I had okay. to scale it back some, obviously, because mm -hmm. of the audience and the purpose behind it. But So there was a lot of similarities. So I was still coaching in a way, but I didn't have that, you know, that Tuesday and Friday, lights go on, bust through the locker room feeling, where you get the butterflies and jumping okay. on the couch. I didn't, I didn't have that. Okay. So it was a little scary going into that, but um, I think it was necessary for me to grow, um, to grow spiritually. I, I needed to step away. Can you expand upon that a little bit, actually? Because when I hear you say you had to, you, you felt you had to step away. You had said you. And, and these are kind of my words, I guess, of what I heard you say is you weren't happy with where things were heading and even where things were maybe. Mm -hmm. And you had a little foresight to say, this isn't going in, I don't think, the best direction for me and for my family even maybe. Would yeah. you say that? When I look back on it now, I feel like it was the Holy Spirit stepping in and, and just planning that thought in my mind that this is something that I needed to do for, okay. the, for the health of my marriage, for the relationships with my daughters, for... Um, just the health of myself spiritually because I, I felt like I was a failure because I wasn't having as much success as I was previous. So there was some discontent there. Maybe I wasn't as effective as I thought I once was. Maybe there was some doubt in my ability to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, But when I did step away, it was difficult at first, but, but doing the, obviously I had more time to be present in my family and within my marriage. So it was at that time we took our first mission trip. As that, a family? As a family. Okay, where'd you go? Huna, Alaska. Oh, wow. We went to Huna, Alaska through the Alaska Mission for Christ. Never heard of it. Saint Alaska, John, yes, yeah, but not Huna. Yeah. St. <laughs> John Lutheran Church in Rochester mm -hmm. had a group. We were attending a small Lutheran church in Rochester, Gethsemane Lutheran. And there was on a, Auburn Road, just on west Auburn of the Quinder? Yeah. I don't think I knew that, actually. That's what, I was married in that church. Okay. And uh, there was a little pamphlet in the back of the church. And I saw it one day, and I said, hmm, this might be a cool thing for us to do and experience. And so we, we went to Huna, Alaska and with a mission team and experienced what it was like to, to serve. Uh, well, it's U.S., but it's not right. anything like the U.S. and 
to serve the Clinket Indian tribe in Hula, Alaska. And I was the BBS photographer in the first year we went. You have history with photography? Uh, a little bit. I dabble. <laughs> um, but I, en I enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, it was a safe way of entering into being a missionary because uh, I was very doubting of my abilities to, I've never done this before. Okay. So, you know, sharing, sharing faith and certainly, you know, it was uncharted waters for me. Okay. But we wanted our daughters to experience it and we, we thought this would be good for us to experience and, and do. And so we did that. It was amazing. Uh, I got a chance to, as a photographer, to, to see and have a perspective of everything that was going on and to, to have a snapshots of that. And okay. uh, we had such a great experience with it that we decided to come back the next year. So and, you did two years in a row. And did it again. Do you remember how old your daughters were when you took them? Well, this was 2007, six and seven. So, um, see, Caitlin would have been, she was 90, 94. 94 years old? No, she's, she married in that, she was. You're gonna edit that out. Yeah, edit that. <clears throat> so, 94 to 2007. Okay. So she was uh, that, uh, 13. 13. Okay. And then Lindsay would have been 11. Wow, so they're pretty young still, and you got them out on the mission field. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and just, uh, and while I was there, I discovered that um, basketball is the number one sport in Alaska. For, Never would have guessed that. For the, for the Clinket Indian tribes. And so, uh, and, it's, and it's the U.S., and they had a great high school. And they had a gym that was very nice. I met the high school coach. And so the second year I went back, I actually ran a basketball camp, a faith-based basketball camp. Very cool. First time in my life I've ever um, done anything like that and saw the connection between sport and sharing the love of Christ. So at this point, is it safe for me to say that you started to see a connection between what you I've always been passionate about coaching and the gospel yep. that maybe you didn't see before. And I'm, I'm actually asking, I don't know, is, is that yeah. too early or were you seeing that yeah. then? And this was 13 years before I would even consider coming on staff for the FCA. Okay. But there, was, there was a seed that was planted there and I, I was energized by it and I really enjoyed it because um, I had men, I had men coming to get instruction, women, young boys and girls. The whole community came together uh, on Wednesday night of that week and I had, I had some young men that were helping me, some college age men that were helping me with the camp and we actually played against the men in the, of the community. Really? And we competed and the whole community comes out. Okay. The men play, the women play. I just, it was just an incredible experience uh, okay. bringing it together. So it really, that planted the seed that stayed deep within me. Um, but it saw, I saw myself that God could use me and that serving others is important. Okay. And uh, so that kind of started changing the trajectory of who I was. Now, with um, one of the things that I find interesting about what you've said so far is as a basketball coach for high school and winning the state championship, that's kind of a mountaintop experience, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about going to Alaska for two years in a row and you think about taking your family there, you think about you know, connecting with the community, the coach, the local coach there, the mission organization that you went with, right? Uh, is it safe to say that that is 
a different type of a mountaintop experience. And, and the reason I ask that is because I remember when I used to work at General Motors and I would go on mission trips and I'd come back, there would be an interest in what happened. People would want to know, what'd you guys do? And, but more so, you would kind of get the question like, why'd you, why'd you do that? Why did you take time out to do that? And if I was a high school basketball coach and won, I don't think anyone would be asking me that. Mm-hmm. I don't think people would say, why did you take that promotion? Why did you go that extra mile? Every, that's like a universally accepted thing, that as men, we would go that extra mile, that mm-hmm. as men, we would pursue these things that bring us success. Taking a family on a mission trip mm-hmm. for a week or so, a couple of years in a row, I don't think that necessarily fits into the success category. But if I know you well enough, I guess, I would, I, would, I would suggest that it sounds to me like those were both mountaintop experiences in a different way. Winning a state championship and realizing what you have experienced up until that point professionally has set you up to be in this moment that you're actually calling a seed, okay? Something small. But it was a huge moment for you where you saw the gospel connect back to what God has been preparing through your professional life. Is that, am I articulating that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I really don't know why, why, we, why I chose to say that I'm, I want to go do that because I just felt like that's something we need to do. Mm-hmm. said yes to it and uh, learned a lot through the process. And uh, that planted the mission bug in me. And it still is there to this day. Okay. Um, not to say that the mission here, you know, where we currently are and where God's placed us is not important because I see the definite connection to that. Yeah. But it can be an inspiring experience to, to know that when you do step out in faith and do something out of the ordinary for the right reasons, that God can teach you something Interesting. That, that, that you need to know for your future. So as you look at that period of time, where you transition from, I'm no longer coaching, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take my family on this mission trip, and to where you are today. Yeah. Success and how you experienced it is my guess, and then also how you really define it, right? Like how you say, this is what's important in success. Um, I think, um, or, or my assumption is that that changed over the yep. course of time. Yeah. So would you talk to us a little bit about yeah. how success changed for you, how you saw? what yeah. you saw as being successful? Um, well, you know, being in my daughter's life, they, they obviously were, were getting involved in more things as they got older. So I was able to be dad. And my daughters were both in gymnastics. And it was really a good thing because and initially, I don't know anything about gymnastics. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't give any critiques. I couldn't coach. You could just be dad. I could just be dad. Okay. I was right there, back there filming with all the other dads, you know, mm-hmm. just hoping that they would stay safe and... So it was really good for me to, to, to be just dad. Yeah. And Lindsay, my youngest daughter, eventually ended up getting into basketball. And so right around 2011, you know, she was, I was not coaching boys, but the, the girls basketball coach approached me to come back into the program and do some coaching. And he said he wouldn't take the job unless I came in and, and was a part of his staff. No pressure. No pressure. So <laughs> I coached JV one year, and then the following year, Lindsay was a freshman. Mm-hmm. She had been playing a couple years prior, and so I had this opportunity to coach my daughter. Okay. Um, abs- so freshman girls, varsity boys basketball, state championship. Now I'm coaching 
freshman girls basketball <laughs> with my daughter, difference. with four girls that had a little bit of experience. My daughter, was one, Lindsay, was one of them, and three, three girls that didn't. I didn't even have a full squad. Oh, you didn't? No, just had, we just had seven. Okay. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I had to humble myself and contact some other coaches, girls coaches, and say, help me. Because I don't know. Yeah, right. You have to have a different approach, right? Yeah. So I learned so much through that experience. Uh, initially, it was a disaster. But the way it ended up was I got a chance to be dad with my daughter and coach and be a part of the growth of those young ladies. And, uh, and really, that's what coaching is all about. It's not about, that's, a great, that's the greatest victory. It's not the state championship, but it's changing lives, transforming lives through sport. I would never have had that experience if I would have stayed coaching as a varsity coach. And so the humility that I learned through that whole process of doing that was amazing. It was right after that that I got introduced to FCA. Okay. And so... Where you are now. Where, where I am now. Well, I got introduced to the structure of FCA. Mm -hmm. So I was a huddle coach for um, the, the Avondale huddle along with two other men. And so Caitlin was one of our leaders. Um, so I was coaching the leaders of our FCA huddle mm -hmm. and being a part of the development of those student athletes within okay. Avondale High School. So that's where I, I learned what FCA is all about, what the true mission is and how it can impact and how it's really needed within a school environment, especially a public school environment for, you know, student, for athletes to have an outlet for their faith. Okay. Be able, to be able to understand why they play, why they compete. So Caitlin was a part of that. I was a part of that. It was also the first time I took a mission trip to Haiti. And Caitlin and I, were we went on this trip together with mm -hmm. a teacher from Avondale. And I, I don't remember how many other students it was, but um, the things that we saw together and experienced together was an incredible bonding experience. Because I, I, I had the mission bug, bug obviously, to take to to step out and do that, but to do it with your daughter, mm -hmm. and uh, to this day she still has a heart for Haiti. She, has she led, leads her own. She trips. leads her own trips to yeah. Haiti. Um, so again, I think back. I go, wow. If I was a head coach, I wouldn't have had any of this. Okay. I wouldn't have gained all this uh, wisdom that the Lord wanted to teach me through it, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity with my daughters. And I hate to throw the word "but" in here, but I will. <laughs> But that's not measurable, like winning a state championship. The relationship with your daughters, coaching one, going on a mission trip with the other, the relationship with your wife, it's hard to measure that. And as men, I feel like we need to measure things. Mm. And so that's why, at least for me, I will gravitate towards certain things that are quote unquote successful mm -hmm. Um, because then I can gauge myself a little bit. Um, something that was interesting to me is when you helped me in the men's Bible study on Monday evening, okay, uh, Monday nights, and um, you helped me lead a series that we did based off of an old book that you gave me, mm -hmm. okay, by, uh, by Tony Dungy called Quiet Strength. And it's, it's not a recent book, um, but it is a very, very good book. Mm -hmm. And we led the men on Monday nights through this uh, study based off of the material in that book. 
And I remember, and so picture, picture this, kind of put yourself in this situation, everybody. You're listening to Tim here teach us about success and talk about what it kind of looks like and what it used to look like, right? And then he asks us in the room, what is it that you're most proud of? And we're all looking around each other at the room. And I remember this, and I'm saying I experienced this personally. I'm sitting at the table thinking, well, I can't say I'm proud of the fact that I fix my own vehicles or repair things in my home or remodel or take care of my yard. Like, I feel like I can't say that stuff because it's not spiritual enough or mm -hmm. it's not, it, it's counter, um, I don't know how to explain, it's, it's too worldly to be proud of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself in the room, actually, we started to answer you. We said, we're proud of our family. We're proud of our marriage. We're proud of the church we go to. And, and it was interesting how you responded to that because mm -hmm. I, want, I want you to share with us what you shared in that room, which is what you're proud of yeah. and, and, and how it's okay to be proud of certain things. Yeah. Okay, so would you kind of share with us well, what you said to us in that room? Being a performance-driven <clears throat> person, mm -hmm. and still am to this day, Yeah. Um, of course I was proud about that state championship. To, to experience it with my family. My brother flew in from where he was and my community that I've been a part of for years. Um, you know, to hoist that trophy and share that with them, to have a shared memory like that um, was unbelievable. It was okay. amazing. Yeah. You know, when I look back on now, you know, God had gifted me in certain ways and he's built us to create and cultivate and have the desire to, to achieve. Okay. And uh, we shouldn't apologize for that. Uh, we should celebrate that. Because even in the kingdom of God, we can create, we can cultivate, mm -hmm. and we can have a desire to want to have the things of God be successful. Okay. So all those things that have happened, you know, being, you know, getting teacher awards, you know, because I have received those. I was, you know, those were important because that showed me, a, a, that spoke to my effectiveness as, as a teacher that I'm doing doing it with excellence because God really wants our best. Right. And how do we know if we're doing our best if we don't see evidence of it? Um, but it's not about celebrating in a prideful way. It's about celebrating the fact that this is how God's created us. And as men, uh, we're built that way. Okay. So don't be afraid to be proud of some of the things that he has gifted you to build, to create, and cultivate. Um, and all those relationships that I had through coaching I am leveraging those relationships now in ministry. I wouldn't have had those if I wouldn't have been driven yeah. to achieve. And you back then had no idea, like you said. No. You had no idea. And, and when I think about, again, back to you saying that a seed was planted, mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many different moments in our lives where we have these seeds planted and we don't necessarily know that's the case until we reflect, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and we see what God has done. Um, when you talk about what you're proud of, Mm -hmm. and successes that you've had. What I'm hearing you say is that I'm still proud of that state championship, Absolutely. as you should, in my opinion, right? Absolutely. But <clears throat> when we think about as men how we're performance-driven and how we like to succeed, and women do as well. This isn't solely a men thing, right? But we are wired a certain way. When you think about what you're proud of and, and what, six, what, it, what it feels like to be successful at something that you, um, you put time and energy into, I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this, but how do you walk that line of being proud of something that you've accomplished, 
being driven to accomplish that next thing and all the while keeping your identity mm. in Christ. Because to me, that's where it gets it gets kind of muddy mm. and we tend to replace one with the other. Yep. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Or? Okay. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it's a process. It doesn't happen. I mean, you... I mean, being a, a performance-driven person and pursuing success, this is kind of how we're wired. We're gonna we're gonna have a tendency to to gravitate to that. Um, from a spiritual standpoint, I know that myself, it was important for me to know who I was. And if I know who I am, then that's gonna help me find my purpose. So. Uh, my life verse is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And so it's for, for grace that I have been saved through faith. Mm -hmm. And this is not from me. Right. It's a gift. So I shouldn't boast about that gift that, that's been given me. But God has created me in, in a masterful way, right? And the, the desire to achieve is part of that. And I need to take that desire. I'm, I was made for this to do the good works that He has prepared for me, His will for me, in advance to do. Okay. For me, it's about trying to live that out. So if I know who I am and I understand what grace really is, it took me a long time to get to figure that out, to what really grace is, and to say that because of all those things that I was trying to achieve. Those are all good things, but I can't apply that to faith because God doesn't care about all that stuff. He doesn't want me. Those are things that, that I was able to do, mm -hmm. but they're not who I am. Right. Right? Who I am, I'm his child. Right. Right? And it's not about earning it. It's about receiving the gift. Okay. Right? Yeah. So for me, it's all about receiving that gift and then under, understanding and knowing that now I have to try to live that out. And, and so how has God gifted me? And, and my true purpose can be found in a lot of my struggles because right now with terms of with coaches, um, I try, I'm real with them. You know, I know what the struggle is. Because you've been there. I've been there. I can speak <clears throat> into that struggle. And I, I had a chance to coach a second time. God granted me a chance to get back into coaching boys in 2013 that I think, thought I never would have. Okay. But I firmly believe to this day with the look back, it said, God said, you, I want to give you a second chance to do it again. Is that right? But to do it differently and to have a different goal in mind, which is to transform the lives of those players and their families in my community and to honor him through the gifts he's given us. It's not about winning. The greatest victory is a, is a transformed life for Jesus. Okay. So that was my pursuit. But I use sport as the connector. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of how I perceive it now and how I perceive success now. But I don't play down all those other achievements mm -hmm. because they're a part of who I am. And they and they're they're still a part of who I am. Right. Right. But they're not they're not where I put my identity. Okay. Wow. So even my myself listening to you, um, I start to look back a little bit just in this moment listening and and I think about how God was not as significant 
in my own mind. He was definitely significant. He was involved in and in, 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 uh, integral into developing me to who I am today mm. through my experiences. But in those experiences, I wouldn't acknowledge that, right? right? And so I think that something that's important for us all to to kind of see when we're hearing this story and what I'm hearing you say is it's not about identifying exactly the same way you do today at 55 years old. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this and you're 25, like, I got to get there tomorrow. I need to get there tomorrow. It, it's, it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes some of the struggles that you said. You know, mm -hmm. that's where you see a lot of that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to share those struggles and embrace them and see what God might be doing in them yeah. and continue to see and identify as you look back that seeds are being planted. Yeah. And, I, and I, this is off, off topic a little bit, but one of the things that I also appreciate about you is you have taken what you experienced and, and these different seeds that God was planting and developing and, and growing your maturity and your, your spiritual growth and your growth of what it means to be a man of God, a, a husband and a father, and you are wanting other people to experience that. Mm -hmm. So what Tim may not, you may not have caught yet from Tim, but in, in, when you hear about him with his son-in-laws and you hear about him with the, the players and the coaches that you work with today, mm -hmm. Tim is allowing God to plant seeds in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge part of what it is God calls us to do, right. is to not just receive the gift right. and to celebrate that gift, but to share it. That's right. And so we don't have to boast about ourselves, mm -hmm. but we can boast about the Lord. That's right. And when Paul says that, that, that he celebrates and boasts in his struggles, that's one of the hardest scriptural pills to swallow for right. me. Because when I'm struggling or I'm having a hard time, that's when I'm not thinking about how great God is, right. <laughs> you right. know? Right. But to have somebody like you for coaches, your family, and players of the coaches that you work with, to have someone like you to be able to know that it's okay that you're struggling yep. and that God's doing something here, yep. that's all a part of planting these different seeds Absolutely. in other people's lives. So thank you for doing that specifically. I wanted to read a quote um, from the book, Quiet Strength by Tony Dungy. So I'm gonna read this to you and then I'm, I wanna ask, um, I wanna ask a, a question based off of this a little bit and you've kinda answered some of it mm -hmm. so you may just be touching on it, but I wanna read this. Tony Dungy says, my purpose in life is to simply glorify God. Mm. I could actually stop the quote there. <laughs> we have to be careful that we don't let the pursuit of life's goals, mm -hmm. no matter how important they may seem, to cause us to lose sight of our purpose. Mm. So if anything, I actually don't think I have a question anymore after this. Because I think you already answered that question in, in a roundabout way through your different, your different examples in your different mm -hmm. stories because it's not about not pursuing life goals. <laughs> it, he's not saying, oh, yeah, don't achieve. Stop achieving. Right. It's more about mm -hmm. allow those things to be things you drive after, but do them at, with all the different things you already explained. Do them mm -hmm. to the best of your ability, right? Mm -hmm. um, but do not allow them to lose sight of your purpose. And also what I heard you say, not just that, but to lose sight of who you actually are right. in Christ. Yes. And I, I will speak to that purpose piece because um, in that struggle, right, uh, what I've learned as a man is that uh, it starts, we have three main things that block us 
from that identity in Christ, I, I think. Okay. So I, I have gone through all three. One is the struggle with putting your identity in athletic prowess. You know, I got into sports because of what it gave me. It gave me affirmation, um, popularity. People would, you know, come to me, seek me out because of my ability. Okay. I continued to pursue that all, three, all the way through to, to play small college basketball. It got me an education. But it, that's what I really, when, when my career was over, it devastated me because I didn't have it anymore. So that's really why I went into coaching is because I wanted that same, <laughs> that, that same feel at the best of my ability. Okay. And I think that's why a lot of former athletes go into coaching because they miss that. Okay. They miss the significance of what it gave them. It's a dangerous place to be. The other one is sexual conquest. You know, this is gonna make me a man. And to put our identity into that or to, to pursue that um, can, can lead you into a dangerous place. Hmm. And the last one is money, titles, money, power, and titles. I bought into all three of those definitions of what a man really is. Okay. It, and then through those struggles though, Eric, is that I've been redeemed through the blood of Christ and I know who I am in Christ now. But I also know that those struggles that I had with all, all of those things can now create, be part of my purpose because now I can speak the truth of how, even though someone may be experiencing any of those, going through any of that, yeah. that you can get out on the other side and that not be where you put your identity anymore. Okay. Right? And you can be an authentic man of God who, who accepts responsibility in the roles that's been given him, who can... Um, reject passivity, right? Who can love courageously, because that's what a real authentic man of God does. And the last one is to invest internally. So yeah. now you can, say, you can share your story, you can use that pain to lead others to Jesus. Say those three one more time, Tim, about authentic manhood, the last three things that you said. Reject passivity. Reject passivity, to love courageously, okay. and to invest eternally. See, I think um, as men, one of the hardest things for us to do is understood what it, understand what it means to be us, what it means to be a man. And I appreciate you saying those last three things, and I think that's an appropriate place for us to close, mm -hmm. is saying those last three things to understand that that is what manhood looks like, and that's what it looks like to be a man of God. And I, and I know that I can, I can confidently make the assumption that when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror just like I do, we may not feel like we're doing all three of those things to the best of our ability. Right. But because of the gift of grace that Amen. we've received, <laughs> we not only live another day, but we get to thrive in right. another day That's right. as men of God. So I can honestly say, and, and I hope many of you listening today can honestly say, I'm really glad I heard that. And I'm not just saying that, even though I kind of am. I am really glad I heard that. And so thank you so much. Yeah. for taking the time to share with all of us uh, your story, uh, specifically how it relates to success. Mm. If you guys enjoyed this video, um, I would ask you to click the like or follow or subscribe button. There's going to be one or two or three of those down there for you in YouTube. And then as well as just know that if you're watching this on YouTube, there is a full-length audio version available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and other areas probably as well. 
So again, Tim, I thank you for your time, and we look forward to meeting with you all again. Thank you so much. Have a great day.